You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. It's Quest for 100 with Brian, Justin, and the friendly man who introduces us. Featuring, featuring. Featuring the friendly man who introduces us. Yeah. We're here. We are recording. If you didn't get from the um, terrible joke up front, uh, we're doing SNL today, talking some Saturday night live. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this one, as I am for most episodes, but this one is there's one that I, I think has a lot of coolness to it. Oh, you used a different word at the yes, minute mark. I did. Right at the minute yeah, mark, you used a different coolness. word. Maybe yeah. that's my 2020 word, okay. coolness. Moving on from special. Special. But yeah, so th- thank you uh, for, for choosing this episode to tune in. Hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully our conversation is, is good. I couldn't tell you. We haven't had it yet. But uh, but I'm optimistic. How, how are you feeling today, Brian? I am somewhat optimistic. Okay. You always come in very neutral. I want you to come in like raring to go, like with something. I don't know. Not that I always am, but it's it's the problem is when I go through this history, it's like this is a lot of history. Yeah, I don't know where to pick and choose and what the the listeners are interested yeah. in. It's uh, definitely a biased, sure history. Oh, it definitely will. Lesson. And and uh, you know, there's been a lot of. Uh, friendship tests in the past, and while I, well, in in recent podcasts that we've done, I don't think there's been some really heated debates, and I don't think it'll get to that here. But there is some good debates that I think other people will probably be upset with our opinions on some yeah. of this oh, stuff, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. which I'm comfortable with. So yeah, I don't hopefully. think it's been a few episodes since we've had some like passionate, both passionate. Yes, right. Yeah. So we'll we'll see where this goes uh, today, but. But Brian, what uh, what have you been up to since last time? I uh, I didn't do much this weekend. I, I do have an update on my furnace. So mm. furnace guy came and and fixed my furnace last week when we recorded. Yep. And he told me it needed to be replaced. Okay. It's still running. Yeah. No issues. So I don't know how long I'm gonna go without replacing it. But yeah, I'm definitely not replacing it right now. So yeah. Okay. That that's uh all i got yeah i don't really have much either we got we had a uh, long long weekend with mlk day but other than that it's been uh pretty relaxing and uh ready to ready to talk some snl no more snow here yes i think we're done maybe hopefully well that's what we said last year yeah in january and then, and then, then we got, got hit, hit hard, hard in february <laughs> yeah so hopefully so. that doesn't I, I, again we talked about this last episode i don't mind the little bit of snow but once it starts getting, you know, heavy, I'm 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 off the bandwagon. Yeah. Well, we're talking SNL because the season they took a little hiatus and they're starting back up this weekend and their last episode was with Eddie Murphy. Yes. And it was highly acclaimed episode and so we feel like it's a good time to talk about it, you know, coming back and they're coming back this weekend. Um so let's uh let's jump into some SNL Saturday Night Live news. You're a newsman. I ever tell you otherwise? Punch me in the face. 
So my news, you know, has to do with that last episode. And SNL actually started a new digital show. It's called Stories from the Show. Hmm. And I don't know if you saw this, but I maybe uh, there was one bit that I remember. Uh, watch. Is it a video? It's like a, a video, video yep, yep. series. Eddie Murphy thing? comes and sits down on a couch and he talks about the show. Oh, so they're talking to the host. Is that the yes. premise? Okay. Yes. I have not seen that. Yes. So Eddie Murphy, uh, he sat down and talked about his time with SNL. Uh, and he, you know, one of the biggest things that kind of made a little bit of news was after the first year of the show, this was right where, you know, in the time, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the history, but the show is struggling. And so he, Murphy says that the head writer, uh, Michael O'Donohue, he came in and he fired everyone except for Murphy and Joe Piscopo. Okay. And the reason he made the cut was very simple, apparently. And Murphy says that he ate dog food during Weekend Update as a sketch. Okay. And so that was exactly what Donahue told him he wasn't fired because he had because eaten. he ate dog food yeah now he was so <laughs> dedication dedicated yeah. to the show okay. apparently now he ended up telling o'donohue that it wasn't dog food it was just hash yeah uh, but that was kind of the the big you know story that came out of this little stories from the show i thought it was really well done very simple yeah very consumable it was about five minutes yeah. And it just kind of talked about his time and kind of interesting, you know, to look back. Yeah. And I, I really look forward to them continuing to do these with other hosts. And I think this is like a really great way to kind of look back at history. And, yeah. you know, it's not often that people get really interested in, you know, people talking about what happened in certain times. But yeah. it, it was super consumable. And I think this was just like a really great format for, for what they were trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I have, I have one article and I want to, you know, add a small little bit just cause you got my mind thinking about the video that I ended up watching, which was kind of a be- behind the scenes on the new cast members this season. And the, uh, you know, this season has been rolling since September, I believe. Uh, so this isn't breaking news, but, uh, but I feel like we have to mention that this year, SNL brought on their first Chinese American uh, onto the show. Oh, I didn't um, even realize that. Yeah, so Bowen Bowen Yang was brought on this year in season forty-five, uh, and he's been a writer since two thousand eighteen. But this is the first time that they've actually had one. I, I think a lot of people were shocked by that when he came on. Was that he was the first? Um, and he certainly, you know, there's been host, I believe, but um, but just to have a dedicated cast member, I think it's it's as most people I think would agree, that's great. Uh, and he's actually pretty funny. I, I, you know, he, he's, you know, as a lot of people are, are funny, they need to be on the show, but, uh, I've enjoyed his skits that he's, that he's in. And, uh, and then the other, like just small news that's, that's relevant as of this week is, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was on Jimmy Fallon's show, uh, this week and, or actually last week he and, and Jimmy talked about, uh, on the tonight show, the, uh, some of their worst skits of all time. And I'll just start the whole Robert Downey Jr. thing. So in other news, uh, which happened last week, Robert Downey Jr. was actually on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And he and Jimmy were talking about their uh, biggest failures uh, in skits. And 
the one thing that I learned, and they they talked about um, you know specific skits that I'll get into, but uh, the the first and foremost thing that jumped out at me, and I had to do extra research, is confirm that Robert Downey Jr. was on SNL. Yeah. Did you know that? Only from my research. Okay. I didn't know that uh, as well, and so my research pointed me to that. Um, so I was interested. He was on for one year and did some, you know, he said it was kind of a, a interesting uh, year for sure, and then they got ki- a lot of the cast members that year got kicked out. But he talked about um, this skit called Suitcase Man, uh, and he uh, in that skit basically was just a man who was a suitcase and he said it made him laugh a lot but it like was not a good skit uh and no one else laughed at it and uh and then jimmy talked about a skit that that he and horatio horatio sands did uh during their uh, i forgot about horatio sands yeah yeah and uh so they did this plate plate boy and cup boy uh skit that was basically them in a pizza shop and when they you know the owner would say hey get him a plate like he'd pick up all the plates and then throw them up in the air and drop them and it was just like not it wasn't funny but it was funny to look back at and say you know you could definitely tell those two working together was always fun they they had a really good back and forth um but it was cool to kind of reminisce on on as successful as these two actors and and now talk show hosts have been in their lives that they had some of this like dark stages on SNL. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, you know, we just typically do this. Mm-hmm. We bury the lead. Yep. So as per usual. Yeah. Where do you stand on, on SNL? Where, where are you coming at this topic for, for the listeners? To yeah. Know, Justin. Yeah. So we'll probably dig into this and in some of the friendship tests and whatnot, uh, just to kind of go into some of the history. But, uh, I, you know, as a nineties kid, I grew up, my, I had older siblings, and we would watch SNL. Not, you know, all the time, but I would say mid to late 90s, I would, you know, be tuning in a little bit here and there. I knew the skits. I watched some of the stuff. And actually, the 2000s was a pretty iconic time, you know, for me where I was watching a lot more at that point. It was a little bit more independent uh, watching some of those skits. And then... You know, there was probably a five, like when I was in college and some other years, I didn't really watch. And it, there was parts, I would watch highlights on YouTube, but I really didn't watch a ton. I didn't love the cast at certain points. And, um, but I, I will say that, you know, where I am today, uh, we, we put it into our rotation of watching TV. Uh, we watch it on Hulu. We don't watch it live. But we'll usually watch it the next day or so. But Really? Um, but yeah, we'll... We'll hmm. tune in and 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 uh, watch. So we were probably the last three seasons or so. We've been watching every episode, pretty wow. much that week. Okay. Well, I would say that I am a little bit different than you. Where I, I used to watch it when I was younger, late nineties, early two thousands. I would say, um, you know, high school into college. Yeah. And now I don't really watch it that much i don't i don't make a commitment to watch it i don't think i ever made a commitment to watch it but uh nowadays i just don't feel like the episodes are you know this the skits are as good and so like i i i had um when i was younger i got the box or the best of dana carvey 
yes as a box set i think i i think i mentioned that earlier um maybe the adam sandler episode and i think i had one other i can't remember it was will ferrell i feel like will ferrell was one of the more popular ones yeah uh, he just had so many iconic skits yeah i just i um so i had those when i was growing up um okay. and so you know obviously fairly good understanding i don't think i was as into it as you know if i was maybe 10 years older when you know some of the really iconic comedians were on the show you know in the the 80s and and yeah early 90s but you know coming out with a decent decent background so you know with that being said let's uh let's drop some knowledge as we normally do i'm the history guy and justin is the stats guy so saturday Night live started the concept started in 1974 when nbc president herbert schultzer uh, approached vice president of nighttime programming dick ebersall and asked him to create a, a show to fill the Saturday night time slot. Yeah. And it was actually because uh, Johnny Carson, uh, so he would actually tape shows for Saturdays as well, but he actually wanted more time off. And so that left this time slot at, yeah. you know, late night on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, and they needed something. So Slosher and, and Ebersol approached uh, Lauren Michaels, uh, who developed a variety show cr- uh, featuring comedy sketches, political satire, and music performances. And he was really directing this show for the 18 to 34-year-old o- audience, kind of your your wheelhouse. Yeah. But uh, in 1975, Michaels assembled a talented cast that consisted of Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Chevy Chase, among others. Which is a pretty good that's starting. A huge, that's a great starting point. Yeah, and obviously they were no names. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. them coming from Chicago's second city and and a couple other places, but um, they were no names at that point. But the original show idea was to have actually three permanent hosts. So Lily Tomlin, Richard Pryor, and George Carlin would be the permanent hosts. Interesting. And Pryor actually dropped out of this because. He had to censor his comedy for TV, <laughs> um, yeah. so he didn't like that. And ultimately, you know, if you watch any of Saturday Night Live now, you know that the host is actually a rotating person, and yes. and it's kind of a big deal, you know, in the just entertainment industry period to be asked to be a host for Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So on October eleventh, nineteen seventy five, the show actually debuted, and it was actually called. NBC's Saturday Night because Saturday Night Live was being used by ABC and it was Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell. Okay. Since the show's inception, it has aired from Studio 8H located on floors 8 and 9 in the Comcast building, which was formerly RCA building, GE building, 30 Rockefeller Plaza, 30 Rock, lots of different names for it. And the studio was originally used as a radio soundstage for Arturo Toscani and the NBC Symphony Orchestra. Oh, okay. NBC purchased the rights to the name Saturday Night Live in 1976 when the Cosell show was canceled and officially adopted the name in 1977. In 19... 19- 
76 in the 18th episode they started the sketch or the segment called weekend update which oh i didn't realize it's been going on that long yeah so it's that's the longest running sketch or segment that they have yeah uh, on the show and you know a lot of this the history that i was finding was more history about like people coming and going off of the show more Mm -hmm. cast member history so chevy chase left the show in november of 1976 and he was actually replaced by bill murray and another iconic person yeah Aykroyd and belushi they left the show after the fourth season uh in 1980 lauren michaels uh you know the creator of it he took a year off because he was just completely drained you know both mentally and creatively and after that year he actually ended up leaving completely and uh went to paramount pictures lauren did yeah Wow. For how long? Not very long. He okay. comes back later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But what year is this? This is 1980. Okay. So, and that was the time where you saw a very big drop off and, and not much success. Yeah. Right after Lauren Michaels left. Yeah. I have some stats that, you know, weirdly align with that. Yeah. But go ahead. Essentially, that's what it really is. In, in 1981, or 80 and 81, uh, Eddie Murphy was added to the cast, like we talked about. Um, uh, Dick uh, Ebersol had left the show at some point, um, and he came back, you know, in the the early '80s, uh, and he added Billy Crystal and Martin Short, and they were uh, established comedians at the time, which really broke the trend. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in one in some of my research too. Uh, we might get into this as well, but uh, it's very uncommon to see someone who has you know, the people know who they are and has a, um, you know, a presence to be brought on. So that's, that's. Yeah. And it's, it's hard point. for us to do this in perspective because obviously all of these names oh, yeah, are mentioned. Sure. Everybody knows. Right. But Billy Crystal and Martin Short had both been, you know, big comedians, whereas nobody else we had mentioned before that had been. Right. So in 1985, Lauren Michaels returns as Ebersol leaves and he hired uh, Joan Cusack and Robert Downey Jr., uh, mm. as as actors kind of going a little bit with the comedians who were you know established yeah um that didn't really work um you know continued with with uh poor ratings so michael's completely cleaned house in 1986 and he brought in the unknown talents of phil hartman and dana carvey who are those people yeah <laughs> Um, Hartman and Carvey, they eventually left the show, you know, uh, in 1992 and 1994, respectively. In 1995, wanting to increase SNL's ratings and profitability, the NBC West Coast president, uh, Don Olmeyer, and other executives began actively um, interfering in the show, recommending that Adam Sandler and Chris Farley be fired because oh. Olmeyer did um, not really get them, like didn't get, yeah. understand their comedy. And also during this season, uh, Mike Myers left, and these all these people were replaced by the likes of Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell, and Tina Fey. Ah, yeah, that was a pretty crucial time, you know, th- certainly that I lived through with SNL. I remember there was some big 
frustrations coming from a lot of the viewers because those those were iconic. You were five years old. Well, at that time. Oh, yes, I I was, but I remember I, I remember that phase. And even if you think about when I for me when I started getting into this, you know, even in the late '90s and early 2000s, when that where you know that new cast was who I was identifying yeah. with mm-hmm. you could definitely like I could talk to my older siblings like oh my gosh like these new people are on but I loved these people and not that they grew to love them too because it was a really strong cast but there definitely was some you know negative sentiment to that new group coming in yeah. and there usually is especially when they go out in a big win a uh, big wave yeah and so SNL at this point has featured about 150 cast members, you know, including, you know, Amy Poehler, Chris Rock, David Spade, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, mm-hmm. Tracy Morgan, Adam Sandberg, Kristen Wiig, uh, among others. Yeah, right. um, Kenan Thompson, actually, which, you know, growing up when I grew up, Kenan and Kel was Kenan the thing. Kel, from um, all that. Yeah, and, you know... What was the the movie Whataburger? No, not uh, Whataburger. Uh, no. Good Burger. Good Burger. Good Burger. Can I? Welcome yeah, to Good Burger. Yeah. Can I take your Home order? Home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Yeah. He's at Keenan is actually the longest serving cast member, and he joined the series in 2003. So he's currently in his 17th season with the sh- show. Yeah, that's a long time, and I I was not. I loved Keenan from Keenan and Kel. Uh, or from all that, and uh, you know, it was kind of fun to see him come onto SNL, and I, I supported that. But I did find, you know, I wasn't a huge fan, but I think when I, I you know, Keenan's grown on me for sure, and a lot of the humor that I love from him is when he makes fun of the fact that he's been there for so long. Yeah, like it's just like he gets it. Yeah. like he's just like, why am I still here? Kind of. Thing. What's but, What's funny is like I I as a kid I remember. Kel being the funny one. Yeah. Well, I, I always found it strange that they both didn't find, you know, a ton of success and, and for whatever reason Kel, you know, didn't make it big after after all that. But Yeah. So yeah. the last thing I have is that the the cast members are often contracted for anywhere between five and six years for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually starting in nineteen ninety and nineteen uh, in two thousand season, uh, new hires were actually tight tied to a rewritten contract that allowed NBC to take a cast member in, in at least their second year and put them on an NBC sitcom. Okay. And ca- cast members are given the option of rejecting uh, the first two sitcom offers, but they must accept the what? third. What? That is really unique. Yeah, with the sitcom contract length uh, dictated by NBC and potentially lasting up to six years. Wow. So you could be contracted with N- NBC for up to 12 years. Yeah, and, and kind of be forced in it. It's, like an op- it's, yeah. not a, it's not an option for them. I mean, they do have right of refusal, but, and, you know, I'm curious how, well, I guess if you make it really big, like Will Ferrell, for instance, I'm curious if that I'm sure when, there's I'm sure there's a buyout or yeah, some type of yeah. you you have to do something to get out of that right. contract, right? Cuz a lot of them want to get into movies, not all of them, but a lot of them want to go there if they're big enough and they'll go that route whereas like a 6-year commitment to a TV show is a little bit rough. But you know, they wouldn't be asking if they didn't think you would resonate with that audience. I think I don't know. 
I'm not sure if it if it was NBC. I, I feel like it was, but like Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, with uh, Adam Sandberg. He he went on to that show after SNL, and I don't know if it was right away, but it was pretty soon after that. And I was curious if that was a part of that. It is deal. So well, I, I don't well, know it's if on it's NBC. It's on NBC, yeah. but I, I, I would assume that's probably yeah probably part of that deal. Um, which, by the way, I, I think is actually a pretty good show. So he made a good choice. All right. Well, cool. Well, real quick before I get into this, the stats, I did want to name drop a couple more people. As you, you mentioned, a couple that I think surprised me and, and weren't even on this list, but a couple interesting people that were cast members in certain years I thought was interesting. So Paul Schaefer, he was, you know, David Letterman's right-hand man was uh, on SNL and was the house band leader, which yeah. was cool. Yeah, I knew that. Billy Crystal, which you mentioned. Julia mm-hmm. Louis dreyfus you mentioned. Larry David was a writer. Uh, he was uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And, yeah, and, and I think he's good friends with Lauren Michaels. Yeah, yeah. He's actually recently been on a lot this season playing Bernie Sanders in the debates, mm. which is honestly perfect because they look so similar. Um talked about robert downey jr uh randy quaid you know famous for a lot of different stuff um but uh you know he was on for a year i think you mentioned ben stiller damon wayans was on i didn't realize he he played a part there this one was kind of interesting i didn't know the name at first and this dates me um unfortunately you know anthony michael hall Uh, i'm I'm throwing you under the bus with me if if you don't (laughs) No. So he was he was big in in uh, a lot of those eighty rom coms. Um, he was in the Breakfast Club and Weird oh, Science. Um, oh no, that's not who I thought it was. If you pull up a picture of him as a seventeen yep. year old or a kid, that's oh, yeah. that's him. Whoa, yeah, from the Breakfast Club. Yeah. Oh, so huh. so he was actually brought onto the show, and you mentioned you alluded a little bit to this. Uh, he only did one year, and he was brought on, and he was the youngest SNL cast member when he was 17. But he was brought on after the already being in the Breakfast Club and Weird Science. Huh. Which I, I, I again, learned that today that they actually did that. Can, um, can we go back to Anthony Quaid? Am I supposed to know who that is? Not Aunt Randy Quaid. Randy, Randy Quaid. Quaid. He was in uh, Chris... Um, Oh uh, my gosh, he was in a lot. He's in the vacation movies as Clark's brother. Oh, he's more than that, but that's what I remember him from. Got um, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Randy. Quaid. I got gotcha. you. Um, but yeah, so some like interesting people that you know went through that uh, that path. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, a couple stats uh, that I'll run through. So, we are you know we mentioned this but we're in the 45th season right now uh that's going to reconvene here pretty shortly and there's been 881 episodes in total um i believe that includes the last couple the uh premiere actually this year and and they've been kind of fighting this in some ways with with ratings but the premiere was actually down a little bit this year compared to previous years uh this year the uh, premiere was Woody Harrelson and, and Billie Eilish as a musical guest. Uh, drew a 4.1 household rating and in metered markets and then 1.6 among adults 18 to 
49, which seems like a lot of numbers, but just in general, that's down about 15% in households and 30% in adults 18 to 49. So hmm. not a not a great trend, though it was slightly up from the um, finale last year, but still not not a great trend. I, th- I do think they're trying to find an identity as a cast. Even though I've been watching it the last couple of years, it does feel like this group, you know, they haven't found their groove yet, uh, yeah. even though they're a couple of years I think, in. I mean, I think it's just this, it's tough with mm-hmm. with social media and everything else that's going on. It's tough to kind of be funny, you know, and be yeah. original. Yeah, I, I think you're, that's a great point. I also think that, you know, ratings aren't how SNL should be rated, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because of social media, because of the access of all this information, or all these, you know, they, they are snipping these things into YouTube clips so that you can share that, you know, maybe that one, one skit was really funny that week. Great. Now you're going to be sharing that with all your friends. And even if the rest of them weren't, they hit a home run on that one. So, and I remember even just like keeping up with it, I, I've, at work sometimes people will bring up, you know, oh, did you see that skit last night about this? Oh, no, but I'm going to go check it out now, and you don't even need to watch the whole uh, show. But, um, but yeah, so a couple other stats. So Alec Baldwin has hosted SNL a record 17 times since 1990, uh, and that doesn't include his regular stints playing Donald Trump, which is almost every week it feels like. Uh, Steve Martin is number two at 15 times since uh, 1976. Don't they have like they have like the Fiverr Club or something like that? Yeah. They, oh, they they joke about that. I don't know if it's official, but they definitely joke about it, and they like get the jacket, and you know, once you make it in, kind of thing. And that that number is is growing a little bit. Five timers. Uh, five timer. Five, five timers. Yes. So in the first, you mentioned pay a little bit in the first. Uh, the show's first season, cast members earned about seven hundred fifty a week. Uh, and that rose to 2,000 in season two and 4,000 in season four. And in 2001, uh, Will Ferrell became the show's highest paid cast member ever when he signed a contract for 350000 per season. Uh, so, you know, the, usually you don't see a ton of money coming from SNL. They they do all right. But uh, but three fifty per season is, is a start to, you know, still cheap for Will Ferrell at, in his prime on SNL, but still, you know, decent amount um so i alluded to this when you were talking about the decline and during that period when lauren left and what i thought was really interesting i didn't think this would relate but actually i had i looked into some uh data on the average age of cast members every year and so they vary you know from you know in the 20s to in the 30s every year and it's interesting to see the trend that in uh, so when they started, it started at 28 years old, and then it went up to you know about 33 years old, which you know was a little bit of a difference there. When Lorne left, they started to have the youngest cast ever. So you look hmm. at um, in 80 in 81, it was 27.28. In 82, it was 26.37, which is the youngest year ever. 83 was 27.37. And then right before Lorne got back, they were like, oh, wait, we need to adjust this. And that's when they got 
uh, older, they they signed uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, and that kind of brought the age up a little bit. But it was it was really interesting to see that from looking at this trend data that and and since then, since Lauren was back, the average age you know hovers around I would say probably around thirty two, right? This uh, you know the last five years have been around that and whereas like they did this experiment without Lorne and it even though they had some notable people like Eddie Murphy it really was like didn't do well and then there's a lot of these one year stints that's why we didn't know these people were on the cast because they were only on for one year and then they're they're gone Um, so I thought that was really interesting how that that evolved over time but uh, we'll talk a little bit about this later but in uh, on an, another front, so in 1994, the film "It's Pat" grossed uh, a little over sixty thousand dollars, <laughs> making it the least successful film based on an SNL character. Uh, the most successful, uh, from a money perspective, was uh, 1992's "Wayne's World," which made a hundred and eighty-three million worldwide. Wow! So, little different than "It's Pat." It's pretty good from a basement. Yes, exactly. So a couple miscellaneous uh, interesting stats. So during his 14-year tenure, Daryl Hammond achieved the record for most times saying, live from New York, it's Saturday night. And he said it 70 times during his 14-year tenure. I feel like that's a big honor. I think everybody wants to be a part of like yeah. that skit so that they can say it. Yeah. Um, and this this was like super out there, but also relevant to a recent topic that we had. So in 1976, six years after they disbanded, the Beatles were offered $230 million by promoter Sid Bernstein to reunite, an offer that they declined, right? So we talked about the Beatles a little bit. I don't remember if we yeah. talked about a potential reunion, but um, that that's uh, what happened. So shortly thereafter, Lorne Michaels made a live plea to the Fab Four to reignite as musical guests on SNL, stating that NBC had authorized him to offer a certified check for $3,000 to bring them on. And uh, and actually in uh, a book, uh, Lennon shared that they actually considered it. So Paul, this is him quoted, Paul and I were together watching that show, Lennon said. He was visiting us at our place in Dakota we were watching it and almost went down to the studio just as a gag. We nearly got into the cab, but we were actually too tired. So they, like, almost as a fun just, I mean, that's how iconic it was at, at that, you know, That would the be early cool stages, just to, like, yeah, like, it's a live show, so, you know, just somebody pops down. Just yeah. because, like, at the beginning of the, uh, the whole show, they said, hey, we would do this if you guys showed up. Yep, exactly. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's it was cool that they uh, they had the opportunity to do that and, and almost happened. It's so so close. Uh, but yeah, that was that was it for my stats. Uh, let's let's jump into some uh, friendship test. We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Brian. So I we talked a little bit about this and when we unburied the lead. Uh, but the what would your favorite era of SNL be? Yeah. So and why? I I mean I think it would probably have to be you know that mid nineties you know the the Will Ferrell 
uh, era, I guess you could say. I wasn't I wasn't around for the early early stuff. Yeah. Um. So you know I I I don't remember that a whole lot. No, you know what? As I'm looking at at the cast between, it can't be it can't be late nineties. Um, Would have been early two thousands, right? Yeah. When Will was brought on. Yeah. Well, Will was er, Will was late nineties, but just in terms of the rest of the cast, you know, you had two thousands, early two thousands. You had the the Tracy Morgans, the Chris Kattans, um, you know, Jimmy Fallon was on there. Horatio Sands. Mm-hmm. I think I remember probably, you know, that most. Um, and you know, I think that kind of had probably the most impact on on me, maybe question okay. mark <laughs> okay um yeah, so for me, I think it's it's gotta be it's similar, but late nineties and and early two thousands um you know two thousand maybe to two thousand six or so, you know you had when Tina Fey. Uh, and Seth Meyers and that that's where I tie my SNL identity to um, and it's later years and prime years of Will Ferrell I think the early stuff of Will is great too but there's just it's just you know Tracy Morgan Daryl Hammett like there's just so many great names on there that it just resonated with me I thought it was interesting I, I saw this in some like I don't know if it was research from another episode that we did but uh, Lorne Michaels actually was quoted saying that, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of debate about the best era, and he chooses not to obviously pick one. But he did say that most fans resonate uh, with the era that was during their high school years. Yeah. And he's like, basically, that's when they, you know, wanted to do, you know, watch something sh- Saturday Night Live or something Saturday Night because they didn't have much other to do. And it was, you know, almost like an adult thing. Um, so he, you know, that was one of the reasons why, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that connects for me. I was in high school during that time and, uh, that's probably when I was watching it the most. So what's your favorite movie based off of an SNL sketch? Yeah. So there's not a ton that I love or even really like that much. Wayne's world needs some respect for sure, but I, if it, it, it it was before my time, so a little bit uh, of that is it was, you know, I could, I mean, I know that it was iconic for my older siblings for sure, but uh, but it was a little bit before my time. Weirdly enough, not it was before my time. Actually, it might have came out right around in the nineties. It was early nineties, um, ninety two. Okay, but but what I was gonna say though is um, Coneheads. You remember Coneheads? Yeah. Was yeah. that what year was that? Ninety three. Okay, so ninety three. So that movie came out ninety three. I obviously didn't watch it in 93 but i do remember watching that and for whatever reason when you posed that question i that was the first movie that came to mind was coneheads uh i don't think that was maybe the best but it it was definitely weird and memorable uh i remember a lot from that movie weirdly enough and uh so i probably put them if i threw in a you know little bit of love to recency mcgruber was fine um <laughs> You know, it's it's goofy, and that's like Andy Samberg at his best, um, or it's not at his best, but that's just his style. So I was okay with that, but there so, hasn't been a ton of good ones. Yeah, so uh, 
Uh, this list that I have, they, I mean, almost all of them were in the 90s when they were made. Yeah. So I'll just go through a, a handful of them pretty quickly. The the Blues Brothers, Wayne's World, Coneheads, Wayne's World 2, It's Pat. Stuart Saves His Family. Never heard Don't, of it. Never heard of that one either. Uh, Somehow it was better than It's Pat, though. But that's what's, <laughs> that's what's kind of crazy. Is yeah. I've heard of it's Pat. Well, I've you've also heard, heard of Pat. Of the, yeah, the but sketch. I don't know if you've heard I don't know of if it's yeah. Pat. Yeah. yeah, but even Stewart, I don't know that I've. Blues Brothers, two thousand, A Night at the Roxbury, yes. um, Superstar, The Ladies' Man, which I also I, didn't. I am the Ladies' Man. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a. Yeah. Not a movie, <laughs> like a sketch first. Oh, really? I don't oh. think so. I remember the I remember the sketch. That was during you know late nineties, I think. And then MacGruber. I would have to go with Wayne's World. Okay. Although Blues Brothers is a very good movie. So I don't know if I've seen Blues oh, Brothers. Oh, you have to go see. Yeah, Blues Brothers. I think I do because yeah. I feel like it's an iconic thing. And and again, it's one of those movies that, you, or or skits, I guess, that I never really saw growing yeah. up. And so to watch the movie, it just didn't interest me a long time ago but it does interest me now so i i i'm obviously you know mike myers i, I like mike myers and i like david carvey so that's why i think i have to put wayne's world first because okay. i didn't grow up with Ackroyd and belushi yeah but like the blues brothers movie is a very i think it's a great movie okay um i i just don't know if i can put it over wayne's world because i i love all the kind of intricacies of wayne's world yeah and, you know, I, was I mean, a, it's just I, a I was great a video guy too, and they're you and, know, p, uh, public TV type yeah. of stuff, and and it's interesting to see like you know what resonates, right? Like, what is a skit that just people love that can be made into something bigger? I mean, which by the way, you keep saying resonates, resonate, yeah, resonate. There is no Re- G. Resonate, resonate. Oh, same thing. <laughs> It's a hard, Maybe it's a Philly. Hard G. Maybe it's a Philly <laughs> Maybe. thing. Maybe. Who knows? Um, okay. All right. Well, uh, do you have a f- – or sorry. Having a music guest or – oh, Like is sorry. it even worth it? Yeah. That, that was my it. question. Is, is having a music guest even worth it? Yes. Okay. So my response to that is yes and with an asterisk. <laughs> so typically uh, – so typically I don't – I'm not in love with the music guest – uh, it feels like a waste of time. I'd rather yeah. be watching sketch comedy. Yeah, but I will say that I've I have a a lot of appreciation for SNL and being somewhat cutting edge and bringing people in that are either relevant or or different or whatever. And for whatever reason, I've there's been a couple artists uh, that have been on SNL that I never knew, and then when I saw them on SNL, I became a fan. I, I can only list one in my head and it was blues traveler and hmm. I didn't know blues Traveler before that I watched an SNL episode and I was like, wow, I'm digging that harmonica. And like, this is cool. <laughs> and, uh, like, so I, I like ended up like going on to like liking the band. Uh, Oh man. You so, just said you dig the harmonica. Why not? It's good. I mean, they, they kill it. So I, I think that there's value to it. I, more often than not, it's a miss, and it's something I'm not interested in. But every once in a while, you can find something that's like, oh, cool. Like, I'm, I'm down for that type of music. Now, the only – and I guess I would say no. Okay. And I don't even know if I can put an asterisk there. But 
the only reason to have a musical guest is if they are actually a part of some of the sketches too. That does make a difference. And, and I don't think the musical guests can just show up and sing. I think it's like three songs that they, they have three musical breaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a, a Justin Timberlake. Comes oh, he's my, right. When, when yeah. he's a musical guest and he comes in and he's a part of the, the sketches as well. I think that is, is a great way to utilize him. Yeah. I don't think the musical segments themselves, I think I could deal with maybe one. One song, play your play your current hit song, uh, and get out of there and, and and be part of the sketches. I think that would that that's way more exciting to me than uh having the the musicians play, you know, their two or three songs. So yeah. No, uh, the other, I wanted to mention this and I had to look it up cause I didn't know his name. So this is, this tells you how terrible I can be with some music. So, uh, this was, what episode was this? Just recently, uh, Scarlett Johansson was the host December 14th. The musical guest was, I'm going to butcher his name, Niall Horan, Niall Horan. Yeah. Never heard of him. Well, and listened to his music and I was like, I kind of dig this. Like, this is cool. Like I actually liked his style of music and then I had to look him up. Like, who is this guy? And then I found out, Oh, he's, you know, Niall from, um, one direction. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that makes me feel weird yeah. that I liked, <laughs> but I'm not liking one direction. I'm liking his now solo path, mm. um, yeah. which I don't know. It was just catchy. I just want to say it was catchy, but that was discovery, right? Like I, I didn't know that I'm, decently up with you know music trends and whatnot but but that was something i don't know if that, that makes it any better sure why it's not like, yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um all right brian what do you have a favorite skit or or re, whether it's a reoccurring skit one-off or a uh character that potentially you know is iconic you could probably split that into two if you do have a specific character i mean uh so i think you know, weekend update. I I think weekend update is one of those where I just have to tune in for. Yeah. Like I think that is a funny bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it is always funny because it's so topical. Yeah. Um, I, one note on that before you go further. So, the weekend update. You mentioned this earlier. Weekend update to me was the worst piece, worse than the music, uh, for me for a long time until. Until you, I became of age to actually care about what's happening and understanding and understand because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always the jokes just went over my head and yeah. I never liked I that. Um, but now, now I actually enjoy it, and I, yeah. you know, I feel like I would have enjoyed it in the past if, if you I knew just, the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I think it was it was the Eddie Murphy episode because they always do the ones where oh it's, yeah it was the Eddie Murphy episode because the last episode of the year they always write each other's lines now. yes and so they don't know what they're reading yes and it is so funny yeah because they just write some outrageous stuff oh yeah outrageous news stories that obviously are not true and make them like really uncomfortable yeah, saying live. that it's, it's yeah it's yeah it's pretty good as far as like a like sketch though like i, I wouldn't really consider that a sketch <sighs> Hans and Franz. Oh yeah, kind of we'll pump you up. Yeah, stick out to me. Yeah, okay. I, I I wouldn't have thought of that, but it I remembered it. Well, when... it, and they, you know, my it was a 
as a holiday party, I believe, that was kind of a costume party when I was young. And uh, a couple of graduate students of my parents, they drew up, they dressed up as Hans and Franz. And that was like, that was like seared in my brain. <laughs> and so I've always enjoyed Hans and Franz, I think. Okay. Yeah, for me, there's so many good ones. Um, you know, I wouldn't even thought of that, but that's like a great one. You know, a lot of the... Um, any anytime honestly I, I i think i've mentioned this in maybe the adam sandler one but anytime adam sandler dana carvey and uh chris farley were yeah. together those that's one of the best things about in my opinion when you know you have a good cast is when certain combinations of people come together and they almost like are challenging each other to make the other one laugh yeah and when if it if they don't laugh, it's hilarious. And if they do laugh, you almost laugh with them because you're like, this is so funny. And, and they just had always really a good dynamic. I think, you know, if there was like one, just like one character in particular that, you know, I found pretty funny, there was a, there was a couple one-offs. Uh, one was, uh, this is recent, but Stefan, if you remember, uh, Stefan. Yeah. He always kind of had like a super quirky attitude and like was almost on the edge of laughing every single time he did it, but he like held it in and yeah, it was just yeah. something funny. I didn't find it that funny. Okay. Fair. Because um, he couldn't, he couldn't hold it together. Most at of the all. time he could. But there, there are certain people, I used to not like Jimmy Fallon because he always laughed. Uh, but then I started to realize like, he's kind of like us. Like he's, if we were in that room, we would be trying so hard to, it's, it's not necessarily about taking this so seriously that you're a really good actor. It's just, you're having fun. And they, they did a really good job and he's usually really good, um, at keeping straight. But like the, the Stefan character really broke out of his character, which I thought was fun. Debbie Downer was one of the first ones that came to my mind. I wouldn't say favorite, but, but almost more iconic. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that was kind of my reference there, and then uh, a couple recent ones again. And I, again, I feel really terrible. You know, I know we have some some more um, yeah, I was experienced. Say, there's not very you're not very seasoned here. In no your favorites. No, and you know, I I'm looking for specific characters, and like you know, the Knight of the Roxbury was always great. The um, the Spartan ones were always good. Like those are all good, but. <laughs> Um, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. St- those were really good. Yeah. So, so that those would be like some of my favorite stuff there. Uh, if I said favorite reoccurring skit, I would say celebrity jeopardy. It's just mm. classic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, I, you can go back. It's ageless and just watch yeah. that stuff. And it's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, but I have to say my favorite skit of all time. And I don't know if I ever, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it was a, uh, Christmas episode. And the uh, the skit was, uh, I don't know what it was called, but we'll call it Shweddy Balls. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you remember this, but yes. it was, for those who don't, it was a uh, parody NPR uh, podcast or episode radio. And uh, it was Anna Gassire, Molly Shannon, and then Will, uh, no, sorry, not Will Schwerl, uh Alec Baldwin. And they just talked like basically with um you know innuendos and and everything else that made you feel really awkward and they they kept a straight face the entire time i as a teenage kid watching that 
and and I was watching it with my older siblings. I, I still remember. I kind of remember where I was when I was watching that because I cried. Like I was laughing so hard at that skit. It was the funniest thing I'd probably ever seen at that point. They were, um, they were basically bringing in uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's character to s- sell his yes, sweaty yes, balls, which was a a food item. Yeah, his name was what Pete Pete Sweaty. And so he was yeah. selling his, you know, edible balls, which, uh, you know, if you've never seen it, do yourself a favor. Please go back and watch it. You will. It's ageless, in my opinion. Uh, one of my favorite skits of all time. Uh, I did learn this actually in my uh, research that apparently in 2011 that Ben and Jerry's released a limited edition ice cream called Sweaty Balls. And awesome. it was their hottest seller uh, yeah, oh, I'm sure. of, of all time. Sure. So. Uh, but yeah, so why don't why don't we you know we're talking about some weird stuff, so let's get into some delusional thinking. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Hey, it's Will. Oh yeah, look at that. Um, all right, Brian. So this one this was a little tame, but I, I'm curious where your your mind goes. Uh, so would you rather be a cast member, yeah. a writer, yeah. or a member of the house band? on SNL. Yeah. You can throw the cue card guy in there too, Brian. I mean, the cue card guy is pretty cool. <laughs> he is. Did you ever see the story on him? No. Uh, I guess it was, it, you know, one guy, and he he has had done it for like 30 of the years. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, like would talk about exactly what his process was because anytime – you know, they did rewrites. He had to potentially rewrite the whole. Oh wow! Cue card, you know, and and it's odd that, it, you know, I know that SNL is kind of an uh, historic franchise, and they, but why haven't they gotten into like that should be a stuff. teleprompter that's it, that's it, large and um, they? I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the the video that I saw. But he explained it on there why they continued to use cue cards. Okay. Um, it was it was something a little bit you could you could put a little bit more inflection in, into things and like indication into things than okay. you can with just a simple teleprompter. Interesting. Um, I think and and you know they didn't want people to necessarily be looking straight at the camera too. Yeah. Um, and you know I think. It, Maybe I'm making this up, but um, I think I heard, I remember that maybe they tried it one time and it failed, and you know the teleprompter failed, and they just always know that yeah the cue cards are are gonna be right there like, yeah um, you know nothing is gonna go wrong with the cue cards I but maybe I'm making that up I I need to go back and look yeah look, but that's that's still up. interesting I didn't realize it was so. Like there was a story yeah, person there's a, that's there's been there. There's a process behind yeah. it. Yeah, there's yeah, actually a backstory sense. to all they, of it. I think actually in the most recent episode, funny enough, they um, when they wrote the skits or wrote the jokes for each other on Weekend Update, I think uh, Che forced um, what's his face? It's Che and uh, I'm blanking on on the other guy. Oh, he's uh, dating uh, what's her name? <sighs> oh, Married man. to uh, yeah. Gosh darn it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I gotta look this up. Um, we can update. Um, Colin Jost. 
I just had to see his face and then I remembered it. But um, yeah, so Colin Jost and and Michael Che. So I think Che actually wrote a thing for uh, Colin Jost to insult the cue card guy. And it was like, like really negative and it made him feel really bad when he had to actually do it. But, um, but anyway, back, back to this debate, we digress in the delusional thinking where, what, where do you lie? Where, where do you, you know, let's, let's assume that you have the skills to fit any one of these. Yeah. What would you, where would you want to be? Um, probably, I mean, I would think a writer. Yeah. Because that would mean I was, I was actually very funny like i think you know the comedians are funny yes but they're also getting stuff written for them yeah and they're you have some cast members who are writers Mm -hmm. but writers can also become cast members yes you know and and that has happened in the past um and you know you if you're a good writer you could go anywhere right uh if you're the problem with a cast member, I think, is is that you are automatically going to be stuck in the kind of like the Adam Sandler, right? Yeah. Adam Sandler has always struggled to get outside of the comedian role, right? Um, whereas I think as a writer, you know, you're not pigeoned into, oh, you're a comedian writer, like that's all yeah. you got, because you know, it, I think it's a little less I, faceless. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to agree with you on this one. I think that. Well, taking nothing away from the, uh, well, I'm I'm gonna first say house band, like cool. You got a job. That's like a kind of a fun anecdote to your life. You're good at music, and you probably have been playing for, I don't know how long they've had that band, but probably for a long time. So there's some value there, but I, I'm not really intrigued by that. The but the you know not to take away from the cast members, but I do feel like there is more. Um, more that can come from a writer like you can turn into a cast member you can write you can feel comfortable writing movies or tv shows or you know a lot of people have come from there um and gone on to to great success i mean larry david is a perfect example um of someone who wrote and then you know went off to do bigger and better things conan o'brien uh you know i do have to he didn't come up until right now but um, you know, I've mentioned this in the past, but I do recommend if you if you're a big fan of SNL and you want like a lot of behind the scenes type content, I, I do recommend listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast because he does a really good job of, you know, when he talks to certain other cast members or writers, he they do dig into some of the the gritty, you know, grittiness of being an SNL you know writer or cast member and you know, the craziness that they go through. So I do recommend, we obviously can't touch on all that here, but um, recommend listening to Conan O'Brien needs a friend. But, uh, but yeah, I just think that there's a lot of value to a writer uh, and they can do a lot more, um, you know, they're behind the scenes too, uh, which, you know, I, I don't mind either way. Like it doesn't really, it wouldn't bother me too much to be acting. uh, But I, I think the writing you know, appeals to me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, as you were going through your stuff, I was, I, I had to look up this cue card guy. So okay. Wally Furstein, and I can't, I can't see exactly how long he's done it for. Let's see. He was 10 when the first 
episodes. He was 10? Well, he wasn't doing it, so. Oh. Um, oh, okay. I was like, wow, they hired a 10-year-old to do this? 1990 is when he first started, I believe. Okay. But um, no real explanation as to why. Uh, there is a video on it, and and obviously I'm not gonna watch the video right now. But um, I, I need to go sit over. back while Brian watches <laughs> a th- ten minute video. I don't even know. How long this would be it. like uh, uh, mystery science theater. Yeah, <laughs> with we've evolved, audio version. We've evolved the podcast, guys. We're just you just guys have to listen. Yeah. Uh, not watch. Listen to us watch something. <laughs> yeah, but it does say that there's a thousand um, a thousand cue cards per episode okay and it takes about an hour to write the cue cards for one draft of one sketch oh my i mean wow i wow that's a lot how many sketches are there Uh, i mean yes yeah that that to me it's hard for me to envision because at a certain point i know that there's got to be like there's some scariness to not having a human but at a certain point you have to say it's not worth you know one hour times the you know 25 sketches or 20 sketch i don't know how many they are but 20 sketches that are out there to have him work 24 hours on just that like you're paying that guy like that's a lot of i don't know there's got to be some digital way to do it it's weird to me yeah but apparently the actors just like to see it on cue cards well, then make a robot that puts it on a cue card, but the cue card is digital. Like, there's some way you can fi- figure it out. Like, you can work around it. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm not trying to take this guy's job away, but. Um, but you are. But I am. Yeah. So. Yeah, you, um, want, you want robots to take over the world. and Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and robots to be our comedians, too. They, they could be. Why not? Down with the humans. Um so uh yeah this was this was a good episode talking talking snl i I appreciate the conversation hopefully you guys liked uh what we were chatting about if you have any thoughts on it we always say you know hit us up let us know if you love it you hate it you wanted more tell us all that how it related to your life but um but yeah as as we always say please please follow us um and subscribe to us uh, on Apple, Google, and Spotify, and then wherever you're getting your social media, except for TikTok we're, and Snapchat, we're pretty much there. So, yeah, we're not doing those. We're not. No, no, no. All right. Well, and, until next time on. Oh, wait. Could be your birthday next time, right? I think so. We're getting there. Yeah. Oh, boy. End of January. That's it's coming. The big 3 0. Yeah. Yeah. Time for some cake. Yes, time for some good old cake. (laughs) Your cake cracks me up. All right, (laughs) until next time on A Quest for 100.